The word that God put on my heart initially was this word, redemptive grace. And I had probably three or four different words. And I wrote them at the top of the page and just wrote down notes and stuff that God just downloaded into my heart in that space. And the page that had the title, redemptive grace, I think I wrote about three pages of notes. And after writing them, I ripped the three pages out and chucked them in the bin (laughs) because I was like, Grace, that is a massive journey God has had me on and it's been a really hard journey and I don't feel like I've got it right yet. I've loved the journey, but it's going to take me like three hours to share my journey with that and I don't feel like I'm necessarily confident in the space. I was like, no, I'm not going to talk about it. Someone else can talk about that another time. But when I caught up with Nath in the lead up to sharing with you all, It became very clear that that was the word for today. So I really want to share that with you because leading into today, I've had to be really vulnerable with myself and really vulnerable with the journey God has had me on. And I really want to invite you all into a space where you feel like regardless of whether you want God to be tapping into something or bringing something up into your heart and your head, I really want you to hold it today rather than rip it out and throw it away. I really feel like, and it's so evident already through what Nath shared and Matt shared, that there are things that God wants to bring up in each of us this morning. Things that potentially are going to be very painful, things that we don't want to approach or acknowledge. But I really want to invite you into a space of vulnerability and into a space where freedom is possible. And that's what today's about. So I'm just going to pray before I get into it. Jesus, I thank you so much for just your love, God, and your willingness to step into a relationship with us, your willingness to step into a space of mess and of dirt and of sin, of humanity, God, your willingness to take a step close to us. And I pray that this morning, Lord, we wouldn't be afraid, we wouldn't run away, but that we would welcome you into our space, into our mess. And that we would be so willing and so eager and so ready for what you want to release in us and of us. So I pray that you would just open each of our hearts, Lord. You would speak through me, Lord. And that, yeah, it would be your voice that's heard this morning. Amen. So to begin with, um, a lot of you would know that I've been on placement the past couple of weeks teaching in a secondary school. And when I was thinking about how I can kind of open this morning, I kept being taken back to this experience I had in a classroom with one of the teachers I was paired up with. And just to preempt, this was a year nine class. So it was an absolute bomb. I would say there was no order or organisation at all in this classroom. And typical year nines are throwing things around the classroom, yelling, screaming, all this stuff. And this teacher, their method of discipline was to write names on the board. So, like, names, obviously kids that weren't obeying or doing the right thing. Their name would go up on the board and if they continued, they'd get, like, a times two or times five or times ten. One kid got a times 20. So, by probably halfway through the class, there's, like, seven, eight names on the board. And the times two, times ten, times 20 essentially equaled the amount of minutes they'd have to stay back after class or after school. However, the teacher very actively and intentionally told the kids, you have a chance to redeem yourself. 
you can show me that you're listening. You can show me that you're trying hard. You can show me you're enjoying my class. And there's a potential that I'm going to wipe your name off. And so the second half of class, slowly names start getting wiped off. But there's this one name that is getting times 20, times 25, just keeps going. And I can see that the teacher is trying his hardest to get this name wiped off because he doesn't want to have to stay back after school (laughs) and he doesn't want to have to stay back for lunch. He doesn't want to sacrifice his time. So he's trying his hardest. He's literally getting the class to sit in silence for 10 minutes so that no one will distract this kid and this kid won't have an opportunity to talk. He still managed to talk. So we get to the, like, two minutes before the bell's going and the teacher goes, okay, all of you pack up your books, we're going to play a game. I'm splitting you in two teams and I'm going to draw two pictures. It was like Pictionary. I'm going to draw two pictures on the whiteboard that represent a movie. The winning team, if this child with the name on the board is in the winning team, he gets freed, his name goes off the board. If the other team wins, then unfortunately he's going to have to stay back for these 22 minutes. So he starts drawing two pictures and obviously like straight away a hand goes up and it's the team without the student. And they guessed, like, the teacher had drawn a shark and was in the process of drawing something else. And the the kid that put his hand up, he was like, it's shark tail, it's shark tail. And I could just see my teacher's face. He was like, yes, it is shark tail. But he's like, oh, sorry, better luck next time. It was clearly shark tail. And so he goes, okay, this team, what's your guess? And they, they guessed Jaws. And he's like, yeah, you got it right. So the name goes off the board. And... <laughs> I just sat there and I was like, oh, he really went to every, every length to try and get this kid's name off the board because he did not want to, like, I wouldn't want to stay back 22 minutes after school. And after the class, he came and talked to me and was like, yeah, it was definitely Shark Tale. I didn't know what to do. I just tried to play it off. Anyway, I just sat there and I was like, man, like this, this teacher went to all lengths He tried so hard to get this child's name wiped off the board. And while the intention was kind of selfish because he didn't want to have to stay back with the child, I feel like it was a beautiful example and what God was trying to show me through that was the lengths God goes to to save us, to wipe us clean and to cleanse us. Now, God's intention and his, his desire to wipe us clean isn't out of duty, it's out of love. And so this morning, I really feel like this word redemptive grace is pushing into that space of essentially Jesus dying on the cross. As we remember that this weekend, I I really want you all to be able to grasp the lengths at which God goes to, to wipe us clean and to save us and to redeem us and to let us walk in freedom. So taking a step back and looking at God sending Jesus down to earth to die on the cross and reflecting on what we've been talking about in the lead up to this weekend in terms of covenant. That was God's way of stepping into relationship with us. God made a choice. He said, I'm going to take a step towards humanity and I'm going to choose to, out of love, save you, redeem you and walk with you in grace. So yes, God takes a step towards us, but I think often we kind of leave it at that and we go, okay, God saved me. God has, has made this decision. He sent his son down and Jesus has died on the cross for me. Sweet. I am free. I, I can walk in freedom. 
I'm obviously going to stuff up sometimes, but like God's grace and his redemption is there. I know we all know it, but often we neglect to remember and realize that God takes a step towards us. We actually have to take a step towards him. And in thinking about this this morning, I got this image of God in a circle and then us in a circle in front. And God takes a step towards us with his circle around him. And we have a choice to step into the circle with him. And he's made that possible through Jesus dying on the cross. One of the things, though, that happens in our humanity is that often we let our sin and our weakness and strongholds distract us and take our eyes off Jesus. And whether that looks like eventually we step out of the circle or we never actually come to the point of realising that we need to step back into his circle. That's a lot to take in, but I want to look at just the story of Peter to kind of help illustrate it further. And, And I really love that in the story, the Easter story, there are so many examples of humanity and weakness and sin. And even in the story of when Jesus is on his way to the cross, he's in amongst that humanity. And I love that because it just shows that no matter how messy we are and no matter the reality is that that Jesus sees our mess, he still chooses to walk with us. So I'm going to read out of Matthew 26, verse 31. So it says, Then Jesus told them, this is following um, the Last Supper, This very night you will fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. So I'm sure all of you are very familiar with Peter's journey and his denial. But I really wanted to zone in on Peter particularly because he's a great example of someone like us who knows who God is, who knows who Jesus is, who knows the depth and the breadth of his love, who knows the grace and the character of God, but he still manages to let his humanity think he's too good, think that he can do it on his own, think that, oh, Like Jesus is literally telling me I'm going to deny him, but I'm not going to deny him. I'm fully able to stand confident in celebrating the fact that I I know God. The way I translate it to us as humans is that personally, I have been on a massive journey of walking through a desire to please people. And I know I shared a lot about this the last time I spoke. But journeying through a massive pride and a massive love to make sure I'm on the right page with people, no one's mad at me, people have high standards of me, they see those high standards in me, and it leads me to often think I can do things on my own and I don't need help. And yeah, I'm, I know I'm going to make mistakes, but I can fix them up. I'll, I'll learn from my own mistakes and I'll eventually get to a point where I've made so many mistakes that I've, I've become perfect because I've learned from them all and I'm able to do it by myself. But obviously we know that's not the reality. And although I know who God is and I know 
his love and the way he so graciously wants to step into relationship with me and walk with me and teach me and be my strength, I think, no, I can do it by myself. It's okay. And an element of that is essentially fear of man and fear of being seen to to not be good enough. But that stands in the way of me being able to walk a life with God and actually be teachable and and not only walk in relationship with God, but let my relationship with God influence those around me and draw others close to him. So for me, in looking at those circles, I think over the past few years, God has been in his circle and I have just almost told myself, I don't actually need to step in his circle. I can walk alongside him. We'll both be in our circles. He'll help me. I know he's a good God. I know he'll love me. But I still think I can do it on my own. And I still think my strength and and my character can endure the mistakes and can get me to a point of of living in fullness because I'm able to do it myself and please man. Peter, similarly, he he knew who God was and the fact that he said, I will never disown you, he obviously loves God and he obviously doesn't want to disown God. But in this space, rather than responding to Jesus and being like, oh, clearly you're saying I'm going to disown you, so clearly I'm going to be walking into some pretty challenging and stretching spaces. Jesus, how can you be my strength in those spaces and how can you actually walk with me because I I don't want to disown you, I love you. But instead of being teachable and being vulnerable, he chose to stand by himself and say, no, I won't do it, I won't disown you. Moving down to Matthew twenty six sixty nine. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you disowned me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So obviously we can see and... I'm sure you all know that despite Peter saying, oh, I won't disown you, God, I love you, he, he walks into a space where he disowns Jesus not only once but three times. And I see that and that decision Peter made to disown him was out of fear. He would have thought, oh, if, if I said I knew Jesus, I'm going to be looked down upon. Who knows what's going to happen to me? And so instead he chooses to act as if he didn't didn't know Jesus. But the beautiful thing is, if we look back to that previous passage, despite Jesus knowing even before Peter denied and disowned Jesus, Jesus knew he would. However, Jesus still walked to the cross and still chose to die for Peter. He died for everyone. 
but he died for Peter. He was in a room with Peter. He knew Peter was going to deny him. If I was standing next to someone and I knew they were going to disown me and walk into another space and say, oh, Rach, don't know, don't know, I would be like, screw you. You're not a friend, let alone someone I walk with super closely. But Jesus knew, he called it out, and yet he still walked the cross. And I just think, if that doesn't sum up God's love for us, it's just incredible. The depth and the breadth, God's love, Jesus' love for us, is so much that he knows, he knew, even before we sin, even before we fall, even before we mess up, he knows, he still chooses to love us, And he chooses to walk to the cross for us. He chooses to die for us. To go through all that pain for us, for you, for me. He chose. We know our sin. Peter knew in that space where he was denying that Jesus had called him out prior. He knew that he shouldn't have been denying. But in his humanity, in his weakness, without letting Jesus be strength, He fell. And it's so often, I know personally for me, that I really, really want to walk with Jesus. I really, really want him to be my strength. I really, really want him to be my everything. But it's not until I'm able to let go, first acknowledge and then let go of my fear of man, of my insecurity, of my love for being seen as a great person and someone that has it all together. I have to let go. I don't know what it is for you, but there is something in each of our hearts, in each of our journeys, in each of our walks. We're all at different points, but I do truly believe in our own humanity, we so often on a regular day-to-day basis, we let things get in between ourselves and God. We either take a step out of that circle because we think we know it better. We turn around and we say, no, God, I don't have any issues. I'm not going to deny you. I can do it by myself. But we always, always, always have an opportunity. We always have a choice. The choice is always there. And this morning, that is really what I want to knock into each and every one of our hearts is Jesus has made a choice. God has made a choice towards us. He's stepped towards us. And that step took pain. It cost him. That step was filled with love. And we have a choice ourselves. We can't just stand there. We have a choice. So I really want to invite you all into a space I actually really wanted to like somehow bring whiteboards for all of you, for you to be able to write something down and wipe it clean, but unfortunately I don't have however many whiteboards. But I really want to invite you into space. I'd love for you all to close your eyes. And I'd really love for you, whether it's a word that has been brought to your mind earlier in the worship space when Nath was, was sharing about something you really want to be broken free of, or whether it's a word that's come up now, I I just really want you to imagine that word above your head. That word is not who you are. 
that word is not who God says you are. God wants to free you, to break that off, to wipe it clean because of his redemptive grace. And so I really want you to imagine that word and Jesus actually walking up to you and wiping it off. Wiping it clean 